and welcome to Sexy Mofo, an ex-Mormon podcast dedicated to deconstructing Mormonism, overcoming repression, and healing from religious trauma. I'm your host, Ella Bolin, blogger, poet, and former garment-wearing, church-school-attending Relief Society president. Sexy Mofo is a place to share my personal stories, interviews with others who have been harmed by the Mormon Church, and deep dive discussions on gospel topics with an emphasis on exposing the church's secret combinations. Hello, and welcome back to Sexy Mofo. Today, I want to talk about the things I wish I'd known when I joined the Mormon Church as a teenager. I'm creating this episode because I just keep seeing time and time again in every single ex-Mormon space online, I see these parents coming in and they aren't Mormon. They've never been Mormon. And they're asking for help because their teenage children are being courted by the missionaries. This is a difficult place to be. You have your child who you love, who is kind of burgeoning into adulthood, and then you have the church swooping in and trying to steal them. I know that's how it feels. You're not crazy for feeling that way. It's what's going on. This episode is not just for the parents. It is also for those teenagers. When I was investigating the church, I would come across ex-Mormon rhetoric, writing, whatever. I always assumed that these people didn't really understand the church because they were clearly so angry. I'd been warned by the missionaries and by the church that there were dangerous things out there that would attempt to quell my faith. I was on the lookout for anti-Mormon rhetoric and any challenges that would try to dismantle my faith. I had my guard up because I was taught very quickly to have my guard up. I was taught to distrust anything that wasn't directly sanctioned by the church. To those teenagers, if you're listening, I want you to know that the reason that the church tells you not to listen to us ex-Mormons and not to read things that are not explicitly put out by the church, the reason they do that is because they have a very long and very, very easy to find history of painting over their doctrines and history, of changing doctrines once they've caused enough harm that they must be changed, of whitewashing their history to remove significant traumas to people, whole peoples, and individuals and families. They have done these things. And I will tell you that when I was a member of the church, the first time that I saw this happening firsthand was in the midst of a general conference session. I was listening. I don't even remember who it was. It's been over a decade at this point. But I was listening to a talk in general conference wherein one of the apostles of the Lord stood up and 
started talking about homosexuality and explicitly stated that it was a choice for someone to be homosexual. And it was the first time I'd ever really seen or heard someone say that at the church because the doctrine and what had been kind of taught before that and what really is still taught is that those feelings may be within you, but that acting on them is the choice. So this was something that didn't quite fit with the current paradigm. And as you may not know, after general conference sessions, which happen twice a year when the apostles and prophet and other church leaders get together and and share testimony and, and stories with members of the church via satellite television, when they do that, they put out a printed version of every single talk in the Ensign, which is a magazine that's sent out, and online. Now, I had taken extensive notes during General Conference, and this particular quote had stood out to me as very relevant. I definitely, even at the time, even as an active member of the church, still was a bit of an advocate and an ally. And this was something that I knew was worth noting. When it came out in the Ensign, when it came out on the church website, the language had been changed completely and was back to what it had, you know, what the the standard prevailing doctrine is or was. Now, what did this teach me? It taught me that what is said at General Conference, what is taught by the leaders, is not necessarily what will be recorded for history and posterity as what they have said. Since I have left the church, I have seen and learned of so many examples of the church apologists apologizing for the history of the church and rewriting it, rewriting it and manipulating those stories and that history to fit the narrative that will pull people in. You will encounter a lot of ex-Mormon rhetoric if you're looking, and a lot of it will be angry. A lot of it will be very charged with emotion. I just want you to to please keep an open mind as you read and encounter those things. I know I did not when I was a teenager investigating the church. Leaving the Saints was one of the books that my mom required that I read before she would allow me to join the church. I don't even remember much about it, except that it was an Oprah book club and that to me, as an investigator of the church who had already been warned about the things that would attack my faith, I read this story and I could not read it with an open mind. I didn't. Instead, all I read was an angry, bitter woman who was projecting her own experiences onto this wonderful thing that was bringing me so much joy in my life. I couldn't see the long arc of it. I couldn't see where I was headed from that place that I was starting at. But I was headed down a very dark path. So this episode is for all of those parents who are trying to save their children from the clutches of the Mormon church, specifically teenagers, because I do know that the church does target them and also for those teenagers. So I hope that you will share this with them and I hope that I can address kind of both aspects of this story in a way that hopefully will be helpful. If I can help just one young person not 
join the church and instead find their own happy and full life that is true to their nature and who they are, then this episode will be well worth it. So please, if you know of any young people who are investigating the church, or if you know of any parents who are asking these questions in ex-Mormon spaces, please feel free to share this episode, and I do hope that it helps. Just to take a pause, I will mention that all of your shares and likes and follows are a massive support to Sexy Mofo. I can't believe that people are listening and it just makes me so happy to know that this podcast is making an impact. I will mention, I did create a Patreon to support this podcast and the other content that I'm creating. My primary focus in 2024 is creating more content that is more helpful for people. If you would be interested in supporting this podcast and my creative endeavors, you can do so at Patreon. I do have a link to all my links in the show notes. When you follow that, you can find my blog, my podcasts, the other two that I have, and that Patreon, as well as other places to follow me online. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. I appreciate you taking the time to leave reviews, to share your stories in comments and on social media. And I just really am grateful to be doing this. So thank you. And please, if you think about it, take a second to share this or another episode with someone that you think might find it beneficial because that's why I'm doing it. (laughs) I hope I can help people. So let's get into it. Let's get into what I wish I'd known as I was investigating the Mormon church as a teenager. The first thing that I want to get right out of the way is that missionaries court young people. And nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to admit this because, well, frankly, because it's it's just pretty disgusting. But this is a very real thing that happens in the church. And it's never explicitly taught, right? Missionaries don't go to the missionary training center and and they're not told there, hey, you should find young people who will be attracted to you and you should be very kind to them and show them a lot of attention and and get them to, to have a crush on you and that will work in the favor of the church. It's never explicitly taught, but this is what happens. There is such a focus on appearance in the church, in being delightsome appearing. So these missionaries are going out and trying to look their best for God, for the church, the face of this organization. And they're young people at the prime of their youth. It isn't just teenagers who have a tendency to develop little crushes on the missionaries and perhaps even to join the church because of those crushes. This happens to a lot of people. And actually, I don't even think that a lot of people fully recognize that that's what's going on. Yes, on a subconscious level, they are attracted to one or both of the missionaries teaching them. But they don't realize the impact that that has on their feelings about the gospel and what's being taught. I certainly did not realize 
the impact that it had on me. But I will say that now that I am out of the church, now that I have come back to my whole self, the entirety of me, I look back and I was so grateful for the sisterhood of my sister missionaries. They were so warm and inviting and kind. And really, I was just a closeted bisexual girl who was being shown attention by two older, pretty women. Yes, it was platonic attention, but it was still attention. And it was attention that that fed me. And I still remember sitting in a Sunday school class and one of the sister missionaries put her arm around my shoulder and was just kind of like petting my hair a little bit. And it was a, it was a very platonic and sisterly expression of love. But it was the type of thing that, you know, our world is devoid of and we've, we've lost a lot of. And to me, as a bisexual girl, I really genuinely, now that I look back, believe that these latent feelings that I had for the sister missionaries, clearly the feelings that I had for my, my Mormon boyfriend who was preparing to serve a mission, who was already in missionary mode from very early on in our relationship, that these things, these feelings I had for these people significantly impacted my feelings about the church. It's so easy to confuse where the feelings are coming from. So much of conversion is really just brain chemistry. So when we can confuse those feelings, when we can get all of those feel-good chemicals pumping while you're learning about the gospel, it's much easier to manipulate the mind. So missionaries court young people and others as well. So that's the first thing I really want to point out to the teenagers who may be listening. If you have feelings for a missionary who is teaching you, I understand that. I do. I get it. But I want you to know a couple of things. First of all, I want you to know that there is a phrase that I originally heard when I was investigating the church. And at the time, I just kind of discounted it. My, at the time, boyfriend was the first one who said it to me. And he was trying to reassure me that it wasn't what he was doing. But the phrase is datum, dunkum, dumpum. It wasn't what he was doing. (laughs) But it is a fairly common practice in the church. And missionaries know. Missionaries know. They may not admit it out loud, but they know subconsciously or consciously that if they're flirtatious, they can up their baptism numbers. They know that. Even if it's not explicitly taught. I also want you to know that these missionaries are young and they have been brainwashed. They have been taught all of these things and they're living such a confined and repressed life right now. They are together constantly. For the entire duration of their mission, they will have no time to think on their own. All of their thoughts will be wrapped up in the church, directed to the church, consecrated to the church. What this means is that they get more and more brainwashed during their mission 
All they believe is the church. But I want you to know that many of them will go home and they will leave the church. They will go home and they won't be stuck and tied to this doctrine so firmly anymore. And many will have faith crises when they get home. Many of them will leave the church. What happens frequently is that those people that have investigated the church with them, the people they baptized, by the time that that missionary leaves the church, the people they baptized are already so far in that they can't even save them anymore. So know that. Know that they are stuck in it and there's a very good chance they won't be Mormon when they get home. And the last thing I want you to know is that you are in control of your life and you deserve community and you deserve happiness and you deserve joy, but you also deserve freedom. You deserve freedom of expression. You deserve to be yourself and you deserve to have the opportunity to explore what that is. You don't need the church in order to have the things that you want. I don't know what it is that's drawn you to the church, whether it is the missionaries or it's the spirituality, seeking meaning, or if it's the community. It tends to be one of those things, either the missionaries, the community, or genuinely seeking meaning. I don't care which one it is. You can find a better alternative somewhere else that will allow you to still be yourself. The church is not true. It is not true. And the people who are telling you that they know it's true, think about that for a second. No, they don't. None of them know it's true. They're using that language because it's a way of controlling your mind. And because you believe that these good people, if they know, then they, they wouldn't lie to you, right? But when they say that they know the church is true, they really just mean they believe it's true. So remember that as well. A testimony is manipulated. And when you start saying that you believe the church is true, someone will correct you and tell you that, no, don't you know? But you don't. And you can't. You cannot. And the fact that they try to convince you that you can, and the fact that the emotions and feelings that they help to cultivate in your mind in these different environments and settings at church and during missionary lessons, they can trick you. They can absolutely trick you. Now, I want to take a second and specifically talk about young girls because I know that the church just targets young people generally. If they can get a child to join the church, they have a very good chance of getting that whole family to join the church. And that's the reason they target young people because they'll get inside that young person's head to the point that their parents realize they will lose them in many ways if they don't also convert. But to niche it down a little bit more, it's not just young people. They specifically target young women. And this is something that has been going on since the very beginning of the church. And it's not hard to understand why, is it? I mean, in the beginning, they just needed more young, pretty wives. 
for all the leaders. And this somehow pervades throughout our culture. There is this hungering for converting young women who have not yet set about the path of their life. There's a quote from Brigham Young that I loved when I was in the church and that I have realized just how insidious it is since leaving. He says, you educate a man, you educate a man. You educate a woman, you educate generations. But it's not education that the church is in the business of doing. They're not educating men and women. They're trapping them. What he really means is trap a man, trap a man. Trap a woman, trap generations. This is why they focus on attracting young women to the church, then marrying us off so early. Once we're solidly embedded as a wife and mother in Zion with all the dependencies and pressures of that role, it's nearly impossible to leave. The church operates on women sacrificing the entirety of their life path to the church. I see this. I felt this. I lived this. I was the young woman convert who was placed upon a pedestal. And I remember feeling like I was doing exactly what God wanted me to do. But I wasn't. I wasn't. And I lost so much time. I wasted so many years. I squandered so many opportunities because I was mired in it. But the worst thing is that I lost myself. Not at first. Not at first. You know what? I was still me when I got baptized. I was. But it didn't take long. It didn't take long for me to be gone. And by the time I'd been in the church for 10 years, it took me another eight after I'd left to rediscover who I was. And when I finally started rebuilding my life, I had to start right back where I was when I joined the church. I hadn't actually experienced any growth. Every bit of emotional development and maturation that needed to happen had been stunted and stopped the moment I joined the church. Because I stopped having my own agency and responsibility I stopped having my own personality. I stopped making my own decisions. And you cannot grow if you're not making your own decisions. You cannot grow if you are in such a repressive society that there's no room to grow. So I see these posts all the time. And I know if you're listening, there's a very good chance that you might be a parent, one of those parents who is just scratching your head and scrambling digging in the internet, trying to find something that will help your son or daughter not to join the church. If that's you, then first of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to try to save your child because most people don't even realize this terrible beast that is attempting to coerce their children away. 
I do see this come up a lot in our ex-Mormon spaces. I wrote a comment on one of these outreaches that I think would be beneficial for you. So I just want to share this for any parents who are going through the process of trying to, to help their child not join the church. This is my advice. I was 16 when I joined the church and I wish I never had. My mom made me read things and I just took it as anti-Mormon literature because that is what I was being told I would encounter, almost as if it was a sign of my faith. I read them all with an open heart, but I heard only the anger and bitterness in their words. I didn't realize that the anger and bitterness is because of what they lost, which was so much. I gave up a legitimate full ride to Harvard after joining the church because my priorities changed so dramatically. So now that I'm out and healed, I get the bitterness. I lost myself bit by bit, line upon line, precept upon precept, until I was just like everyone else. I was hurting when I joined the church. The sister missionaries who taught me showed me sisterhood I was hungry for. The ward members were so inviting and so excited to have someone new to share their testimonies with. I was 16, so I was a project for many of the adults. Look at this poor lost kitten with no eternal home or family. And that is how they viewed me, even though I did have a family. No example to show her the way. No real guidance as to what it is to be a modest and appropriate woman. Let us help her. Let us love her. Let us make her in our image. If your daughter is being sucked into the Mormon church, she is hungry for something, usually meaning or community love and support. Try to figure out what she is really seeking and help her get it other places. But understand that they are 100% going to tell her everything you share with her is false because that is the Mormon way. While I was in the church, I was in it. I went to a church school, was baptized by my high school sweetheart, who I ended up dear Johnning because I was feeling so much pressure to get married or, you know, be an old spinster. I was 22 at the time. I was Relief Society president of my young adult ward. I was married in the temple. I believed in the church 100%, and I was duped. Like the missionaries who are teaching your daughter, who are conveniently still not even fully matured and intellectually developed, I then spouted the same rhetoric to every single person in my sphere of influence. But now I add my voice to the voice of others who strongly try to undo what we did before. I know this church is false, and I know it by the very fruits it bore in my life and the lives of those around me. You probably don't know if this is the first episode that you've found, but I was married to a man who ended up having quite the sex scandal that shook our marriage, my life, and our community. And it was one of only three that hit our tiny little Midwestern congregation of Mormons within one year. So I know the church is false because I have seen the fruits of the gospel and the fruits of the gospel, the Mormon gospel, our harm, our loss of self, our repression, 
and lying and deceit, covering up of sins. The gravest of sins are the ones that are covered up. Please save your daughter. The happiness of the church is hollow. Its love is conditional. Its doctrine is harmful. Its community is toxic. Please save her. And if you can't, and this is important because a lot of times you can't, the church is really strong. It's really powerful. And there's a good chance that you won't be able to save your child from making the decision to join the church. If you can't, you're going to have to love her anyway. As painful as it will be to watch her disappear slowly. You're going to have to maintain contact even as you watch the child you love disappear. So here is my actual advice, my real advice, my most important advice to any parent whose child is investigating the Mormon church because the truth of the situation is that you will probably lose this battle unless your child comes to the decision on their own not to join the church. Remember who they are. Remember who they are right now and find a way to help them remember because if they leave the church in the future they will have to start right here to figure out who they are as a functioning adult and I say this from experience because development growth it all stops when you join the church And when you leave the church, it's stripped away and you're right back to where you started. It can be however you want. It can be a journal. It can be a scrapbook. It can be an interview that you just record on your phone. It can be pictures or a mood board or you can write a whole book about it if you want. But remember and document who your child is now. At some point, If your child leaves the church, they will have to rebuild their identity. I recommend documenting current beliefs, passions, things they enjoy. Make sure that you keep this safe. This will be one of the most important things that you hold on to if your child joins the church. Because if they leave, when they leave, this will be the greatest gift you can give them to help them remember who they are and who they're supposed to be, who they were before the church changed them. I think it's something fun you can do together. And even if you don't have your child listen to this, you don't have to make a big deal out of it if you don't want to. You don't have to say, hey, I'm doing this because I think that church is a really terrible thing and I'm really worried that you're not going to be yourself in a few years. And I just don't ever want to forget the child that I love. You don't have to say that. You can, but if you want to just make it a separate project that you do, just a kind of, wow, you're you're growing up and I just don't ever want to forget this, then that's okay too. But really, this is my best advice. And the reason that I say this is because when I left the church, I had forgotten. I had forgotten everything about myself. There was no me left. Nothing inside of me was left, or at least that's how it felt. And it took a very long time 
to start uncovering the threads of who I was that I had just buried so deep. I know that something like this would have been helpful. And when I was going through my healing process, I went through a lot of my old journals and notebooks and pictures and art to help me remember who I was. So if you can create something that is kind of specific to that purpose, I do genuinely believe it will be very, 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 very helpful in the future. And if they don't join the church, then it's still a really cool thing to have kind of a a time capsule to immortalize their beliefs and feelings and, and who they are at this exact moment as they are kind of entering young adulthood. I hope that you don't join the church if you are one of those teenagers. I hope that you'll hear me. I hope you can hear the sincerity in me because it is sincere. And I don't hate the members of the church, but I do hate the church because it it robbed me of so much and it has robbed so many of so much. And I've seen the toxicity in it. There are a lot of episodes here that you can listen to if you want more information about the toxicity of the church and how harmful elements of it can be. But ultimately, you're going to have to make a decision on your own. And I hope that you will choose not to join the church. To the parents and everyone else who's listening, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Again, thank you for fighting for your young people. They need you. The church is a foe that you should be taking seriously. And I'm happy that you are. I hope that this episode can be a tool in your toolkit to help you in this difficult challenge that you're facing as a family. Remember that the most important thing is just to always love your child. But you know that or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening. Don't get sucked in yourself because they'll try. Even though you're not Mormon, you still belong in this community because the church is is harming you and your family. I'm here and I'm available if you have questions. I'm easy to find online. Social media, you can access me. And I, I would love to help if you know young people in your life who have questions about my experience as an investigator who was a teenager or as a young woman in the church or as a more mature woman leaving the church, I would be more than happy to help them. When I was investigating the church, I talked to a lot of people online, mostly missionaries and Mormons. And I wish that I had had a more diverse perspective, that I had sought out some ex-Mormons and really gotten their perspective on what the church was and what the church had done to them, what the church had taken from them. And I wish I'd dug a bit into that anger to, to learn where it came from and why. I hope that this episode and the other ones that I've created can help you do that. And if there's any way that I can be helpful in this journey that you're on, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sexy Mofo. We'll talk next week.
Well, that concludes this episode of Sexy Mofo, an ex-Mormon podcast dedicated to deconstructing Mormonism, overcoming repression, and healing from religious trauma. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. As a reminder, I'm Ella Bolin, and you can find my blog, Living in Retrospect, my social media accounts, and other links in the show notes. I'd love to connect with other ex-Mormons and post-Mormons and... I guess just anyone who's even generally curious about the absurd things that we have lived through. Sexy Mofo is a new podcast and there are a lot of things you can do to help get the word out there. So if you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll take the time to consider sharing the episode or the podcast on social media. If you have ex-Mormon friends or any ex-Mormon groups that you are a part of. Also, It would be so helpful if you left a review. This is a new podcast and there's a million other podcasts out there. It can be really overwhelming for people to figure out what they should listen to, whether it's worth adding something to a list to listen to later. So taking the time to leave a review if you enjoyed this episode is incredibly helpful to help people know what they can expect when they land on the Sexy Mofo podcast. Obviously, Sexy Mofo is a place for me to share my own personal story, but this isn't about me. If you've been hurt by the Mormon church, you're not alone. Just the process of leaving the church is incredibly, incredibly difficult. And so please be patient with yourself if you are transitioning out of the church, if you're deconstructing Mormonism. If you're healing from religious trauma, just please be patient with yourself. Get therapy if you need it. Surround yourself with others who've been through the journey and know that with time and and patience, things can get better. You can rediscover yourself. You can heal from the literal brainwashing that you have been through. It's hard no matter what. Um, Even even for just a random person transitioning out of the church, it is difficult. But as we've discussed in this this podcast, abuse is rampant in the church. And if you have been hurt in that way by a member of the church, or if you have experienced, um, you know, abuse or harm, at the hands of a leader or a family member who was a member of the church or even just a random person who was, or even if you just experienced abuse and did not receive the support that you needed when you, when you told your leaders or your family about it, the pain and trauma of that is very, very difficult to overcome. Please Make sure that you are resourcing yourself with the things that you need, with the support that you need to help you get through the difficult things you've been through that were not your fault. If you are in a place in your healing journey where you feel that it would be helpful, beneficial to you to share your story, then that is what this is here for. 
I hope that you will consider reaching out. Um, you know, you can find me on my social media. You can connect with me that way. I have also included a link in the show notes, um, at least if you're on Spotify. Um, I'm not sure if it shows up everywhere else, but at least if you're on Spotify, you can actually call in and leave a voicemail for or a voice memo um, for the podcast, for the Sexy Mofo podcast. And if you feel like doing that, if you have a story that you think fits the the theme of this podcast and that you feel like sharing I would be honored for you to to do that and to give you a place to speak obviously anything that is submitted um will be will have to go through um you know a process and and I I can't guarantee that everything that is submitted will be published but I do encourage you to to consider that a place that you can use if you have a story that you feel needs to be shared I am I'm intending to incorporate those messages in future episodes and look forward to creating a place where all voices can be shared um, because there's a lot that needs to be said and I look forward to making Sexy Mofo a place where people can safely speak about their experiences and help one another deconstruct Mormonism, overcome repression, and heal from religious trauma. By their fruits ye shall know them. And so we did. Be well.